All right, welcome back into Prime Suspects for your weekly insider's look behind the counter of Prime Sports. Alongside Joe Brennan Jr. and Adam Bjorn, I'm your host, Matt Landis. Guys, with last night's title game, the college football season is now officially in the books. How did that championship game go for Prime Sports last night? No, it was no good. So it happens. Small games on the weekend and we'll push forward to it. All right, we can leave it at that. I, I think that aligns with just about everybody I heard of was trying to back up the trek on Michigan at a certain point. But Michigan and Washington, not going to be the only top 10 teams we discuss on this podcast. And that's because as we dive into the latest from inside Prime Sports, Prime has broken into the top 10 in Ohio in sportsbook rankings within its first 10 weeks in business. Joe, want to kick it over to you to start here. What do you think this says about offering an alternative to the unregulated market and simply welcoming all betters? Quick note, Matt, you have the best transitions. I love them. I don't know if you're, if those are spontaneous, but they're excellent. <laughs> Thank you. I'll take it. As far as, yeah, getting into the top 10, I'm sure the other guys who are at the top half of that top 10 or whatever are, are not exactly quaking in their boots when they see what we're doing. But it does, when we look at that list and we look at it, it's, you know, we're, we're talking based on volume. Considering that we're doing nothing, really other than having our doors open and having a policy of willing to take anyone who qualifies, obviously, you know, it's amazing how that can be a draw. It's amazing how saying that if you win, we're not going to bounce you and we'll pay you out as quick as possible is a draw. It makes us wonder what is everybody else doing? We haven't started to market yet. We haven't reached out to affiliates yet or anything like that. And then the other thing is. I saw a couple of, oh, we only made like $12,000 in revenue. It's like, yeah, $12,000 in revenue against the sharpest guys out there, against pros, against syndicates, you know, against assassins. So because we haven't pushed out all the nice goodie bags that people use to get, you know, a more diverse base, like, you know, a lot of soft action, a lot of parlay action, public action, things like that. Adam and his team are more than fighting at a stand, you know, at a stalemate with those guys. They're winning. Okay. Right now we're winning small. Eventually we'll have the volume where we're winning big, but that's our attitude towards that. So we're really happy and yeah, it just, I'm looking forward to when we finally do get to press the button and start doing some pushes, some marketing pushes in uh, the early part here of 2024. Adam, one thing Joe noted, kind of wondering what all the other guys are doing if Prime Sports is broken into the top 10 this quickly without putting that many resources into miscellaneous items that people might see elsewhere. You have decades of experience on both sides of the counter that might help to answer that question. What would you identify as some of Prime's strongest differentiators thus far? Taking a bet, I mean, it's pretty pure and simple. And my, my reaction was kind of the same thing. It was, what are they, you know, they've been open 11 months. What are they doing? Like, how are they not getting at least more traction? Because again, I'm not sure we're really taking anything away from those that are in the regulatory market, more capturing the unregulated stuff, which has always been the goal, which was showing kind of what we're meant to be doing or what our goal was is, is kind of happening. And the other one is $12,000. You know, we were popping champagne bottles over that. We are getting the assassins. We are getting the people that preach that they win all the time. They do, you know, they don't, they're not losing betters, they're winning betters. And to hold 12,000 against that group is significant. I believe the next month, the hold was even a little higher, but again, well, the hold was a lot higher. It was 10x higher. <laughs> there you go. So I know Joe and that were sort of 
waiting for those numbers to come. Once I got October and saw where we're at, that's it. Now it's just do what we do, do what we said we're going to do, start rolling it out, start doing a bit more content attached to this, start doing, you know, not offering the bonuses. I know someone asked, how the hell did we give away 50,000 on the bonus on the promotion column that we're trying to keep zero? Very good reason. Joe explained it. Again, this is two and a half months in. I mean, it's, it's quite amusing that we're even having this conversation. Let's see what September, October look like. Even June, July and August, when we have the Euros, the Olympics, knowing what a differentiator we can be in those lesser sports, we're not spending what the top ones are spending. They've been around, you know, a lot of them for five years now. It's not just 11 months. A lot of these Ohio players were obviously playing in other states and now they've moved back home. But again, the first response was, you know, what the hell are these other guys doing? What are they missing that easily have them higher up or having them actually making money? Because again, once you dig into these things, they're really running at a negative operation before costs when you take out their promotionals and things like that. So right now we're on track for anyone that thinks that 12,000 is nothing and the handle that we're doing, yeah, compared to the top two or three, but that's not our goal. That's not what we're here for. I said that from day one. So check the next months and the next months. And then August, 2026, as I've said, we'll look back and we'll see what these almost three years have been across hopefully, you know, a dozen states, if we can get that far over that course of time. And then we'll start seeing whether this was success or not. Yeah. And one more thing, Matt, is it's been an extended, I mean, you could say it's an extended soft launch for us, although, we, you know, only in the sense that we're not really doing push marketing. We're not really reaching out and incentivizing players in any way other than, you know, now we've moved to, you know, 20% reduced juice on, on the main markets, which yeah, it'll be interesting to see what effect that that has. We know the effect that that has for the top end of the market. You know, the masters, the assassins, those kind of pros, those guys all jumped on it right away. That's been positive for increasing our handle here just in the short amount of time that we had that live, I think like a week and a half or something like that. So that's been good. But what it, this whole thing has helped us kind of get ready, especially for when we launch in New Jersey, which is coming very, very soon here now. And that's to get our feet under us, make sure that our platform, our stack is working well. It is, it's working very well right now. Any problems that our players might experience, we're able to jump on top of it right away, regardless of how we hear from them. And people are really happy. I mean, we, I've, I've had guys like jump on me on Twitter saying like, oh, I got this problem with it. And then we're just like, all right, man, hey, what can we do? We have people on it. They get done. And then by the end, these guys are like, you guys got the best service in the industry. Now it's easier right now, just being in Ohio, one state and everything like that. So I get that, but you know, there's things that are worth scaling and we're finding out the stuff that we believe in the pricing, the being an all welcoming book, as Adam likes to say, the service, like those are things that are worth scaling. Okay. Bonus programs and freebie giveaways and karma committees and you know, bad beat givebacks. Those things don't scale well for a serious bookmaker. And that's why we stay away from it. And the fact that we're continuing to draw more action. And yeah, the fact that, as Adam said, like we're out there against the toughest guys in the industry and they've not bankrupted us. Other brands would have you think like, if you book those type of guys, they're going to take all your money. Well, they haven't. They haven't. We're up on them all. So 
who knows, maybe some folks will take a look at tiny little engine that could prime and say, you know, maybe there's another way of looking at this business because if those guys can do it, why can't that'll be good for betters. Well, from prime catching fire to a couple betting startups coming under fire, let's move on to our water cooler segment this week. Guys, we've got two startup DFS plus sites facing backlash on gambling Twitter for allegedly not paying out the sites in question, drive fantasy and units. And it seems like they may have gotten hit by not correctly pricing correlated markets. For some context here, especially focusing on Thrive Fantasy, I think that's the better known brand in this equation. Several Thrive Fantasy users claim payouts have only been honored after they filed claims with the Better Business Bureau or threatened to do so. Adam, I'd like to start with you on this topic. Thrive Fantasy's CEO has attributed some delays to an ongoing investigation into a glitch on the site that led some users to look to, in his words, attempt to defraud the site. And I'm wondering from your perspective, how much of this is a problem with user behavior and how much of it is a problem with something like risk management? Well, I love how they all love just jump on this palpable error thing or any way that they can find a way to not pay players. I don't know either the products. I don't know if they're regulated or not. It's an old eight adage. I mean, this isn't new. This has been around for a very long time, but glitches, yeah, things happen. Glitches with third parties, software, latencies, you know, these are real things. They do happen. And there's some situations where I do agree with the operators in taking a position of maybe canceling bets and, and things like that. But you do it within a five or 10 minute window because on the risk management side, when you see these bets come in and going back to the Massachusetts run recently with NBA props that they were forced to pay out, you should see these things real time. You should see it happen and react and not wait for a game to start or will not wait for results to come in. Once you've waited for results to come in, that's on you, your pain, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I read the thing with, uh, I think it was gold pants or golden pants or something on Twitter. It was a very good thread. He laid it out exactly what happened. And that's the unfortunate thing that regulators, if it's regulated entities, should be all over. Unfortunately, on the regulator side, a lot of the times they don't understand exactly what odds should be. We can go back to, I think it was an MGM one in Virginia with a school teacher or something that took advantage of something. But the players, you know, for me, most of the players, this is part of their job as well. They should be out there looking for these things. I did a podcast recently where it was talking about bookie better relationship. If you're a winning better, and you're in a situation and you want to bet with a certain place uh, long-term, then have the conversation, say, hey, I think you screwed this up, or if it's a palpable error. But if it's just mispricing, take them to the cleaners for mine. Like, you know, come after them. You no different for us. If we price something up wrong and, you know, it's off market or it's a little variance, come after it. That's what we're here for. So I put the onus on the operator than the better on this one. And Joe, I think I've heard both you and Adam use the phrase, a bet's a bet several times on this podcast thus far. And when it comes to bettors having to wonder if they would get their winnings paid out in cases like this, what do you think this type of situation means for DFS plus as a betting category moving forward? Well, as somebody who in full disclosure used to be in that industry, like back in 2017, year before PASPA, our, the company that I had founded at the time along partnered with resorts casino released the first legal real money game in new jersey 
for sports and fast pick. And it was a DF at, you know, what they now call DFS plus, but it was an actual fantasy game. You had, it was based on fantasy scores. There was a fantasy scoring system. And what has happened now, these DFS, the DFS plus is such a bullshit misnomer. These guys are, are doing nothing, but they're assembling prop parlays. All right. And they are trying to use everything from a skill game exemption to a really, really broad interpretation of the 2006 federal law and its definition of what is the difference between a fantasy sports game and a sports bet. And they've bastardized that beyond any semblance of recognition. And no credible attorney that I know is really approving that with their legal memo. They pushed the envelope as far as they could because this is not regulated. It is largely unregulated. All these guys who are getting popped now and who are not playing their, paying their players, they're doing so in markets where they don't have the same level of regulatory oversight that we do in the sports books. And so that's a bad thing for the players. And clearly it's a bad thing for the operators. And all of them have come up short and these are just the most recent stories. All of these guys, you hear about how that people have gone on runs against them, all these things, and then it always come back and they always try and couch it as like, oh, well, you're cheating or it was a palpable error or something. It was always the player's fault. It's never their fault. But I haven't seen any of these guys make the investment in the tools, in the team, all those things that like Adam has and the other sports book have. This is really, it comes down to guys try to take advantage of this gray area to create de facto sports betting businesses. And they thought because they were parlay ticket that the math was in their favor. But hey, even sports books lose out on parlays every once in a while. The math doesn't always favor you. And seeing the way that now that some of the folks out there, like the CEO at Prize Picks and the other CEO at Underdog, I think they're really going in the wrong direction in that they're trying to turn this into a fight for players' rights and be like, Look, guys, you got your hand caught in the cookie jar. Bring yourself to heel under regulators. Bring yourself within market standards. And the other thing is assume the sunk costs that we have to offer those kind of bets in a regulated market. They're trying to get away from it. I've heard some, I mean, some people go up, we're really smart investors, really smart people who have been just, they're living in a fantasy thinking that somehow they're going to create a subcategory for these guys. And that somehow they can enter a sports betting market, but for not have the regulatory burden that we have. It's a fantasy. It re- it's the only fantasy left in DFS plus is this thought that somehow they're going to normalize this activity. And I honestly don't think that the regulators have come down hard enough on them, but that's because they finally have reached critical mass. Haven't they? They finally are at a level where the regulators can take notice. Law enforcement can take notice. I've heard some people suggest that Oh, this is just FanDuel and DraftKings getting pissy because, you know, prize picks and underdog and others have finally gotten to a level where they're challenged. Like, no, you guys finally got to a level where you were actually making money and you were worth getting busted out by regulators. So I think this is one of these things where also players, okay, players, you had it good with those guys for a while. You're able to benefit on to lightly regulated market here in the U.S., but now you're going to start running into more of these situations of like the thrive fantasies and the units and the other guys. I mean, the top end guys, I got to imagine 
just based on experience, they're going to have start to have problems with their banking and their payments the more trouble they get in, with states. So players who have their money in these DFS plus sites should probably start taking it out, should probably protect themselves and look to see if you can get the same type of games from the regulated sports books. When I look at the products that are out there right now, like I saw like this past weekend, I was paying attention to this on Twitter, guys showing like posting like, oh, well, this is my prize picks ticket for this weekend, or this is my other. And it was, you could get the same thing at DraftKings, FanDuel or anything like that. And you can do so legally. And there you have a regulator that you can appeal to if they screw you and try and withhold your money. It's the exact same product. Players got to protect themselves, okay? They have to make sure that they're making sensible decisions about where they put their money. But in the meantime, as you said at the outset, a bet's a bet. Like, we pay out as fast as we possibly can. Every sports book should pay out as fast as they possibly can, if only because when they do that, they have a happy customer, they have a happy player, and the probability that that player will then come back, redeposit, whatever it may be, is extremely high. And stop putting things in the way of players to get at their money, to cash out their money, do everything within the rules, but don't slow people down. A happy player is one that gets paid quickly. And I think one of my biggest takeaways from what you said there, Joe, is a concept that's not new by any stretch, but it was new to me when I first heard it come up from the guys in the Banfield group, a pro betting group. They also have a couple guys on the Always Betting podcast. They've talked often about if you're betting offshore, don't let those account balances get too high just to protect yourself from a possible worst case scenario. And there's a tricky balance. It's more of an art than a science in some ways. You want to have enough bankroll that's liquid that you can get down if and when you see an edge anytime on the sporting calendar. And at the same time, if those balances get too high and that worst case scenario comes, you don't want to be out to lunch with too much of a balance. So something to keep in mind, I guess, not only in the offshore betting market, but also in DFS plus sites like the ones we've talked about thus far. Well, the unfortunate thing is when you have a good week and you run that number up, I mean, it was always good to keep things under 10,000 because once you went over that amount, it seems like the books just looked at a little harder, but it's hard to, when you're doing this for a living to keep any kind of balances low. Uh, and even if you're betting on credit in some places, uh, around the world, it's, you have that big week and you're at the mercy of them. And especially if you're an arbitrager and everything fell in one book that you won and lost at another one. You know, you're still on the hook for the losing amount and when the winning amount doesn't pay. So I've lived and learned some of those hard experiences over almost 30 years, but it's, it's tough. It makes me think of like when Ned Teller went, like the worst thing that happened to the industry early on. Remember when Ned Teller went down, when they pulled out of America? Yeah. January, 2007. Yes. Know it well. <laughs> so for somebody, it's a more serious memory than others. But, you know, that convenience. And well, the funny thing is, it makes me think, like, why hasn't anybody mastered this product for the regulated market yet? I mean, it makes so much sense. You know, your wallet is your bankroll and the way guys would move money in and out of it so easily with NetTeller. When that thing went down, and that was a primary target for that 2006 Unlawful Internet Gambling Enforcement Act, boy, they hit their target well. That was catastrophic for the industry. Nobody's recreated it since. And, and there's no, in the regulated market, you don't have any inner book transfers, you know, transfer money from one sports book to another. That's, that's all gone. So, and all this comes back to a lot of times we, people think by putting walls up around customers, 
putting moats around your business or something like that, that that is going to be, you know, one of your keys to success and keys. But while that might be the case in other product categories, it, it really won't be in sports betting. Just because of the nature is we all have different numbers. There's different buying opportunities. It's like how many different Black Fridays going on at the same time for the same product, right? You know, how many times did the Michigan-Washington number change yesterday, the pricing change on it? And there probably could have been a lot more money moving around, a lot more handle collectively being done, but people just are not really free to move their money. They got to keep a little stack everywhere. And, you know, who knows? Maybe some, maybe it's you, Matt. When you give up the big money, bright lights, and glory of podcasts, you'll create that bankroll wallet that everybody uses to be able to move in, move their bankroll in and out of betting up. I'll have to keep that in mind is a potential future plus EV opportunity. But one silver lining we can take from this conversation right now is that there is no doubt you will get paid in a timely manner if you win betting the NFL playoffs at Prime Sports. So guys, let's use that to move right along into our look ahead segment. Adam, we'll start with you here. Any unique playoff betting opportunities being offered by Prime in this NFL playoff cycle or perhaps there's any rooting interest on your side of the counter? No, there's not a lot, but as normal, I think we'll just meet every underdog, which I think is actually a good thing going into these playoffs. Seems to me as wide open as NFL playoffs, as I recall, over many, many years. There's probably only a couple of teams that you would could say won't win the Super Bowl. I mean, player injuries, players coming back. I mean, a Philly 49ers, you know, they've all had their good and bad runs during the season. So I expect this to be a wild sort of January and see who ends up uh, playing it off in February. But wide open for me. And Joe, speaking of your Eagles, they, as we've been recording, have taken some pretty serious money. It looks like they are now a flat three-point favorite across the board. Bit of a surprise to some, perhaps, but prime bettors can back the Eagles or the Bucks, for that matter, or any side on the board in this wildcard weekend slate at reduced VIG relative to other books. Want to make sure to hammer that point home. Joe, beyond being price sensitive to the edges that people can find over the course of this postseason, any tips or perhaps fun predictions for the NFL playoffs? I'm with Adam. This is wide open, as you can say. I, you know, with the exception actually of Baltimore, uh, and I never thought I would say this, every other team seems pretty flawed. And even Baltimore, you could say, well, I think they're obviously the favorite. I think they're going to wind up, you know, them and, and the Niners are going to wind up on everybody's money line parlay tickets. But down the rest of the, the matchups, It's like, all right, well, you have some of the perennial non-performers that also happen to be public teams. Like Dallas is a great example. If you look at their record, you look at their form, all of that, you'd say, wow, yeah, you definitely, if you're a public player, they're going to be backing those guys, but they have such a history of non-performance and they're already talking about McCarthy uh, losing the gig if they don't win a playoff game. Like, oh, geez, that's another interesting the, the, the pressure on these teams, you just can't read it anymore. It's not like the, the old game where, you know, they're talking about McCarthy or Sirianni in Philadelphia and all, all these teams that they just made it into the playoffs and people already have them halfway out the door. They're going to get fired by their owners. Whether that leads to any betting opportunities or not, I, what I do think it does is it influences narrative, which is where obviously the assassins who, you know, are, we're responsible for most of our volume. They're, they don't give a shit about those narratives. And that's not the way they bet. But you can definitely see the public swinging on that one. It would be nice to get a little more public money during the playoffs for that to just broaden the base. 
we'll see how reduced juice, like opening up at uh, minus 108 for all these matchups versus 110 at all the other shops, what it might be able to do to raise our profile this time of the season. And what I suggested was uh, putting Joe on camera for these Philly games because the chances are definitely for this one, he's going to be te- cheering for the Buccaneers. So he's in the real side of the business now. You don't have teams. There's no hometown anything. It's cheer for the book. So he is absolutely right about this. Okay. So my brother, Brian, whom I love to death, but I think is a perennial front runner. Like, you know, he was a Michigan fan last night. Now it's because his, his daughter, my niece, is a varsity soccer player at the University of Michigan, but prior to that, he was a Notre Dame fan his entire friggin' life. Now he hates Notre Dame. Somehow he's become a lifelong Manchester City fan. And even though he's never lived a day in his life as anything other than a tourist in the Boston area, he's a, he's a New England Patriots fan. So I constantly rag on him about like, oh, look, the family front runner, right? But after, I mean, what I'd say after last night is I'm worse. I'm now worse because he might be a front runner. I'm a mercenary. Last week, or last weekend when the Eagles were getting pulverized by the Giants, whole time I'm just sitting there. I'm like, look, I got my Super Bowl there a couple of years ago, and Jeffrey Laurie is not going to pay my kids' college tuition bill. So go Giants. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it was a good run. All right. Well, if people are looking at a team to make a good run in this NFL playoff cycle, I'll throw out one tip to wrap things up. And I want to see what you guys think of this. I know that a lot of people right now at the outset of the playoffs are looking into futures and they can be a lot of fun. And I will say that an alternative for a bigger payout betting on the same outcome can be to consider a money line rollover or a mechanical parlay. An example here would be the Rams. They're a trendy pick to make a deep run. And at a lot of books right now, you can find them in the range of 20 to one to win the NFC. If you want to take out a futures ticket right now, sounds like a fun lottery ticket to have. And the path, if we consider it, They would have to win this weekend at Detroit, then likely next week at San Francisco, potentially after that, went on the road at Dallas in the NFC title game. They got blown out in Dallas earlier this season. So we could be looking at a scenario where the Rams would have to sweep the NFC's top three seeds all on the road. 20-1 sounds like a nice payout at face value, but I think you can probably do better. And to make this concrete for a moment here, if we take the example of $100 better. $100 $100 futures bet on the Rams to win the NFC would return $2,000 in profit at that 20 to 1 price point. Alternatively, you could start with the Rams on the money line this week at Detroit. That's being offered in the range of plus 150. So that same $100 would return 250 the $100 risk plus 150 in profit. Roll that over in the division round. If the Rams win again, roll it over in the conference championship round. The profit you'll be looking at at the end of the day, should the Rams run the table in the NFC, likely well north of $2,000. A couple subtle things here. This gives you the opportunity to shop for the best money line in each round, rather than being tied to one book's futures price at the outset of the playoffs. And it also gives you the element of a ripcord, where if there's a key injury or suddenly a matchup you don't like, with this money line rollover concept, you can take the money and run after any given round. So guys, I'll leave it at that. Any thoughts on the futures tickets versus money line rollover route in terms of trying to maximize expected value for NFL playoff betting? I mean, that's usually the way to go. Uh, the money lines in the most spots is where you earn the most, especially on the underdogs, especially on the road teams. You get to also learn if you have the stomach for it as well, because it's easy putting <laughs> 100 at the 20 to 1 shot. You know, when you go into that third or fourth leg, putting on a bigger amount, and that's saying that you haven't gotten limited already after back in two winners and then try third leg as well. But for sure, this is, you know, something that I was looking at for March Madness when we were speaking earlier. 
but this is generally in most circumstances the way to go uh, is parlaying it up and doing it that rather than betting the futures. All right. Well, wherever and however you bet the NFL playoffs, wish you the best of luck this weekend. And thank you for making our show a part of your week. As we wrap things up, a few weekly reminders. Register for Prime Sports at primesports.com. Download the Prime Sports app. Follow Prime Sports on Twitter at Prime Sportsbook, where we welcome you, as always, to message us with any questions or segment ideas. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joe Brennan Jr. Follow Adam there as well at Adam Bjorn 2. You can find links to all of the above in the show notes. Thank you once again for listening, and we'll catch you next week right back here on Prime Suspects. You must be 21 or over to play on Prime Sports. Always bet responsibly and within your limits. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Thank you.